clubhouse. Attention all passengers. The temperature outside is minus 119 degrees Celsius. We are six years, nine months, and 26 days from departure. For your personal safety, be prepared to brace. Welcome back to Pod Clubhouse's coverage of Snowpiercer. This is for the second episode of the third season. This one was called The Last to Go. With me, uh, as usual, I have Kat from Latinx Lens. Hey, how are you doing? I can't complain. I mean, <laughs> it's it's cold, but it's not Snowpiercer cold, so <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been seeing a lot of posts about people looking out for snow down there in the Houston area. It might happen. And that's Inez joining us once again. Hi, thanks for having me again. Uh, we're glad to have you. Yeah, the snow might happen. Uh, it's a pretty rare thing, but we're starting to not say that so much, which is also uncomfortable. Uh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. yeah, it's like PTSD from last year. We're like, ah. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, since Harvey, I think the weather has become almost like a godlike power for us here in terms of like are we supposed to like make offerings to it or (laughs) 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 or what to to appease it oh man we're just getting um really big gusts of wind over here in the bay area so i guess i'll enjoy some time flying kites while you're (laughs) avoiding the snow (laughs) all right guys so this episode the way that it ended is obviously like i really want to watch the next episode but before (laughs) before we get there (laughs) we gotta talk about this one a big marriage uh or sorry a big wedding ceremony did you guys see this coming for these two oz and lj I didn't think of the wedding piece of it uh, at all. Like, I, I just feel like a lot of that stuff is gone, but I guess it makes total sense. I'm I'm with Wilford about, like, how to impact the environment and keep people distracted while he continues to do what he needs to do. So, yeah, I did not see it coming, but I'm also not surprised. Yeah, I did not see it coming because I guess in this world, you don't really think there could be a wedding. Right, like, or it wasn't a, it, Yeah, it wasn't like... <laughs> That wasn't the first thing I thought they were going to do. I would think I thought they would probably kill someone before they do that, you know, like go on a on a couple spree or something or, you know, whatever. So it really did uh, come as a surprise. But then it makes total sense of like how it, you know, went down. And it was nice, actually. It's like what we were talking about last week. Um, he's, he's lowered the bar so low in terms of what people are accepting, uh, you know, for for quality of life. That he does recognize that he needs to move the needle occasionally just to keep them interested. This is what he needs to do, you know, pass out enough free alcohol to to retain that idea <laughs> yeah. of, of loyalty, which was uh, central to this episode's themes, right? The, the idea of retaining, keeping and using people's loyalty. Although I think we were um, spot on with what with how the LJ and Osweiler dynamic played out with her being, you know, from our last episode, we were talking about how she would probably be the one to possibly turn on him or, you know, like she's a wild card in that sense of like, she just wants the power in that. And so it was, it was nice to also see that we were kind of riding that way of like how this went down when she wanted to, the approval of Wilford, she went through, uh, was happy to kind of go with what he wanted. And then even Osweiler like called her out on like the flaws. I was like, you're marrying her like did you not know this 
That's what I was kind of wondering. Like, shouldn't he have have known? I'm not going to say who she is, but what she is by this point in their relationship. Maybe not. I mean, he they haven't like known each other like a ton. Like, it's probably been six months, right? Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. Right. It's because it's six months in season two, and they really just started to hang out during season two. So I, I think that like you know he still has like kind of like his background because he brings that up to the forefront. Like, well, we don't need to talk about it, and like don't talk about Wilfer. Like you, you know, it's this is not going to be good for any of us or, or whatever. But yeah, I think maybe just underestimating like how influential like her perspective is of being somebody who's grown and lived and breathed in privilege so she would absolutely like know what to do in like this opportunity here and yeah Kat called it last week when when uh I kind of said that they're kind of just like opportunistic as a night cart kind of role and I think that after watching this episode I agree with Kat that she could totally turn on Osweiler like (laughs) if she needed to um like on a dime I mean I don't feel like she was doing that in this episode I feel like she was genuinely confiding frustrations because she is a really young um, mm-hmm. person and he is the closest thing to, Wilford is the closest thing to a, a parental figure for her. And so her being transparent about that, I don't I don't consider that like her turning on her fiance of a day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I could see, it did give me like that in there. I didn't even wrote down, I said, Kat was right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like the early inklings of like, oh, okay, maybe down the road this could, you know, come back. <laughs> so I just want to head off before we explore it. I have never been in a situation where a man has <laughs> grabbed my testicles and then asked me to grab his. <laughs> and um, squeeze them as hard as did. Yes, yes. So as a, yeah. that kind of scenario I've never had play out in real life. And in fact, when they were done, I had to rewind it. Not because I was so, you know, I, I, was, I enjoyed it. <laughs> you like looked away so in trauma and blacked out and needed a reminder. Right. But because I was trying to understand what I was seeing here. <laughs> you know what? I did the same thing because I was like, wait, did, which is funny because I was like, wait, wait, wait. Because I was like, did they just, did he just grab like his ball? I was like, and then I rewound it. I was like, oh yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> Do you suppose it was to remind Osweiler of the power dynamic and and what he might need from him? The, the idea of crushing crushing balls and who he was. Yes, it's great that he's a piano player, but he might need something more out of him at some point. It's kind of like his he gets to play piano at Mr. Wilford's pleasure. But that might not be all Mr. Wilford needs from him. I don't know. I'm I'm throwing darts here. What did you guys get out of the ball seizing scene? <laughs> well, Paul, I I wanted to ask you. Like, I asked Stephen, but he's 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 not feeling super great right now. I, I was stopped. I was just like, can you please describe to me what does it feel like, <laughs> or what you imagine it would feel like for somebody to just like grab and squeeze and yell at you? Like, what is the what are the emotional trauma that you're going through in that moment? Do you think it would be? And I just I don't have that perspective, and I really genuinely am like curious, like. From you, the only man mm-hmm. in our little trio here, yeah. <laughs> tell us if somebody like Wilford grabbed you by the jewels and squeezed and was screaming at your face, how do you think that would impact how you are around him when it's done? Oh, boy. Uh, 
like last week, how we talked about him using the unpredictable to mm-hmm. um, keep people on on edge and anxious. So if Oz had grown at all comfortable to be around Mr. Wilford, that would be shed completely. <laughs> you know, because uh, he might just turn around and grab your balls again. I mean, that exact sensation sitting there in that moment would be a combination of surprise, some amount of betrayal, right? Because you thought you trusted this guy a little because you've never seen him do anything like this to you so far anyway. Then there's the physical pain of this sensitive body part that <laughs> that can't even withstand wind blowing on it too hard before it actually causes <laughs> mm-hmm. you agony because not only when that body part gets hurt but it it causes like your stomach to kind of hurt also so it's like hooked into that somehow i, I can't really explain it but yeah no my husband has said like it gives him immense nausea like he's thrown up from it from being like kicked down there and or hit or accidentally quit offending people (laughs) (laughs) he was reminiscing on his childhood trauma but yeah this is um so yeah so i know that there's i i believe him and i believe you right like this is a really excruciating experience that i know like undoubtedly would make me really terrified whenever i would see this person like in the future so like on this front i think wilford is you doing a reminder because he's telling him to squeeze also and he's all and he just keeps like wilford just fighting through it he doesn't feel a thing like it almost makes me think like he's doing he's got a hack like this guy does not have testicles and that's that's how he's winning this battle but like if if he does have some down there uh, which we're assuming mean that he does right like that's a fucking like monster move right there that is like the ultimate like i am the fucking alpha and you will heal and participate and fall in line the way that i need you to i think the thing that threw me off is the fact that he had osweiler do it to him and so i was trying to figure out like why would you do that because you know obviously that's going to cause you pain but then i think it would it seems like it's also of course a power play of like Oh, you think you can hurt me? I can't feel like shy. Maybe that's like the the mental game or something. But also, I just think how twisted. Like I've never seen this play out on screen. I think like me like so. I was also thinking like <laughs> I kind of appreciate the fact that like Mr. Wilford is such a weird like different villainy type. He's like the things like the way he goes is like just not what I expect, you know, because you would assume like in another show, if it was this sort of thing, he would probably slap him around and be like, you you know, you, who do you think you are? You know, and that would be it. But that's too easy. And so he goes this like other psychological weird, this ball grabbing that was like, it threw me off and it made me uncomfortable. So I was like, I'm sure that was the point of it. And if you recall, he did not have just a straight up regular old sexual encounter that we were aware of with uh, Miss Audrey mm-hmm. w- when they had their reunion. They had other stuff that was yeah unusual. It's fetishy in a way. So is it out of the realm of possibility that there's that there's some sexual component to this ball grabbing? scenario i don't think so but this show doesn't go too deep into that end of people's psyche just kind of exposes us to the idea that he 
may derive pleasure from things that other people don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, and I, I really just reflecting on the scene, I appreciate kind of the setup for that because, you know, he's holding on to Osweiler's hand like really gently and we're focused, have the camera focused on his hands. And he's just saying a lot of really beautiful artistic lingo and words. And, you know, Osweiler obviously like he knows like something's come, something's up here, right? Like, this is where the fucking man is so fucking close to me. And he's just caressing my hand hands and whatnot and I, I appreciate the moment that um the producers gave us of experiencing that because that really nailed in the shock <laughs> <laughs> that, that we got right after i i did kind of get like this is feels kind of like oddly sexual when he was like holding onto the hands and then he's like really went in there for the balls but uh, <laughs> but i uh i don't know if that was like an intent for it to be like a sexual kind of thing because Wilford is so unpredictable. And so I don't really fucking know. I feel like there could be a hint of it, but I think more so like it was probably, I wouldn't put it past him to do something like that, but I think also a dominance control thing. Yeah. So like if that was a way to make him uncomfortable to know that's a possibility, you know, and, and um, I think it's also more effective than just hitting him. Because, you know, you can recover from that. I'm sure Osweiler, you know, he's taken sort of like, you know, he he has taken some of that, um, I think, in that in that realm. I think, I mean, obviously it's not, I wouldn't want to be hit. But, you know, I feel like being like touched like that is completely different than being, I guess, just hit. Because that brings in a whole other element of like um, also feeling the vulnerability. Like they took, he t- took something away from him in that sense. I see, I see what you're saying. It's like in a, in, in a quote unquote fair fight, right? Hitting is the expected move. Whereas hitting below the belt, well, what are you, some sort of dirty fighter here? I mean, we're, we're supposed to at least acknowledge some kind of quote unquote rules, you know, boxing's not, they don't let you mm-hmm. hit each other in the, in the balls. You, you watch uh, ultimate fighting. Is that okay in that league? No, no, it's not. So, yeah, the idea that you would move <laughs> straight <laughs> to the balls, as as Inez says, uh, <laughs> and he, and it looked like he sort of enjoyed it too. He like he, you know, oh, so yeah. that's why it was like it was a bit of like a sadistic thing, like, and I think that was just to make Osweiler like you're getting a little too comfortable, I think, and also if you uh, make LJ unhappy because I think he wants to use LJ because he knows like she's crazy and can do what he needs her to do. So I think he also wanted to keep the, him in line and be like, you can, you're just, you're, what is it like expendable? So make your choice, I guess, was like, it was, it felt like that. Like, you know, you can choose right now, like what you want to do, or you're going to get the consequences of like whatever this is down the road. Well, to an extent, I think we saw that LJ has similar natural intuitions to Mr. Wilford. The idea of using the, the wedding, um, she went, it's like, it's almost like she she knew that that was the right thing to do with the wedding, and that's really why she needed to go see Mr. Wilford and tell him about it to position herself as a successor, maybe, possibly. Well, I think it ties back to loyalty because the whole episode was about loyalty, and I think he knows what she went through and how she is a little bit. She's more like him. Yeah. Um. Like she's not. I don't think she would turn around and join Layden. You know. Like I think he knows that. So she's gonna go all in with him at this point. And so I think at this point he's also just wanting to take any loyalty he can. Um. And knows. Um. She. 
doesn't have to she, he doesn't have to question it from her and so I think that's sort of why I don't know not to keep her happy because I think he would also expend her too but yeah, yeah um I think I think you know if he is trying to keep the peace in terms of like like he's preventing people from turning on him so he needs her he needs um to use her and then also I guess to keep her happy I also wonder how much of this is just kind of like Wilford's really obsessive need to restore the first class, right? Like he has that whole area hands off because he wants to restore it to its glory when he gets his train back. And then she's like the only one maybe who was like left from that. And he knew the family personally. And so I feel like maybe like he by default already sees her as like an upper class like connection. And so he wants to make sure that he's getting his like, kingdom aligned to like the way that he's wants it to be once he gets his train back i could see like that kind of happening because he seems to have that kind of really strong need to have an elevated group yeah yeah you know running the train like it's uh north korea i don't think that's his dream exactly um (laughs) i think he'd like class structure everybody in their place the way he had designed it I think that's his what his preference is. He just has to live through this part. To that end, using this EMP to disable Snowpiercer, you know, I looked up EMPs and the effect is real. You know, it's a real thing. You've seen it in other movies and, and stuff like that. So you have this rough idea of, of what they do. Uh, the reason they had to put it at the very back of the train was because there's a certain range that this thing has, right? And it goes out in all directions evenly, like a circle, right? In an expanding circle. So if they put it far enough away from the engine, then when it goes off, it won't affect the engine. It won't turn it off by accident. And the idea that when it does go off and it's like 525 kilometers away, whew, that's a... (laughs) That's a really long train. I kind of wonder if they're just kind of f- fudging a little on the on the EMP because I'm thinking, <laughs> like, if if Snowpiercer was disabled, I think it would be like permanently disabled. I don't think you have a running piece of electrical equipment as advanced as Snowpiercer have it get hit with an EMP wave, and then just as they do in the IT crowd, turn it off and turn it back on again, and everything's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I was wondering about that too, and I didn't have because I just watched it like not long before this, and I and I um didn't get a chance to research how did they restore power because they did the original test inside of the train, mm-hmm. and I wondered about that because like later on, like there's people and lights like still around in that area afterwards. I'm like, how did they like restore that? I thought that this was like a permanent like kind of thing. Like I've seen enough Agents of Shield and enough um <laughs> uh, of uh, of other things where like once the EMP thing like goes, it's like a lot of extra work to try to restore the stuff that went down from there. And well, it fries circuits. It fries it, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, so how are these like people who are like hanging out back here? Like they still have all like the computers. Then the power seemed to be like back on. There's still lights kind of like in the vicinity. And then also just thinking about like the radius, like you said, of how like it hit when it, you know, when it actually did go off. Um, outside of the train mm-hmm. um how much of like the wilfer train was impacted but like it wasn't like in an even kind of spot like i can 
I don't know. I'm just thinking about like the other train, right? Like they were like really far away, but they were still kind of like impacted, but like minorly probably because yeah. it may have dissipated by then. Right? right. But it just feels like if it made it like that much made it all the way over there, then I feel like so much more of this train would be gone uh, yeah. of the one that it's city that it was closest to just if I'm kind of like thinking about like an even kind of distribution. I think I think our answer is probably that we're not supposed to overthink it. We're supposed to think <laughs> that it would just turn off the lights and leave them susceptible for Mr. Wilford to come in. Oh, okay, invade okay. It, I that's, think that's my I, that's who I'm supposed to be. Okay, I believe I, uh... so. <laughs> Because I'm like, I, I did spend a good amount of time like just thinking about it. And I was like, I need to read this after I'm done. And I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from all the movies we've seen, like, um, it's like EMP is usually very destructive. So I was actually thinking the same thing because I was like, okay, like, how do they just control it? And like, how would you test it without taking out your own train? So how can it just go out the other way like you know i don't know it, it's you, like you know what i mean like wouldn't it like it's a pulse so it's supposed to like pulse out so right. i don't like concentric I mean, I, from the origin. yeah right. but you know i guess we have to go on like the suspension of disbelief so not everything is obviously scientifically sound in this show right, um, right. given the post-apocalyptic setting <laughs> so i think this is one where we just you know you got to go with it even though you're like huh you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe, but that's like one of the appeals of this show to me yeah. is like how like scientific they do explanation of stuff. That's like what really got me reeled in with Melanie in season one. And, mm. um, you know, I was all about that. And then the doctor, the other her partner person who was like helping with all of the science on there, listening to all of that. And like, I'm like, OK, like this sounds like it can make sense. Like just following that logic, like yeah. all of that makes sense. So I feel like this is one of those areas that it's like, OK, we're going to highlight some like scientific stuff for those people that like that and um it just just don't do the equations <laughs> yeah just don't do the math because it's not going to add up but just like take whatever they're saying you know as as truth <laughs> yeah. speaking of science did you notice one of the doctors head head wid, head what's his name headwood headwood no I don't know. Uh, the creepy McCreep doctors. Um, oh, let's just yeah. call them that because I can't remember that. <laughs> yeah, Headwood, Doctor Headwood. The okay. the male was missing and yeah. alluded to the idea that he might have died of the quote unquote flu. Mm. Notice she was carrying yeah, well, around the shoes as like a uh, I don't know what a safety type. Okay. Type See, thing. I I thought maybe I just like forgot something about yeah, how me too. he passed from season two or something i was like oh was he like part of the casualties and whatever and like the wars from that time but i missed that so please go on yeah it was just during one of mr wilford's speeches during the wedding ceremony about the things they've endured particularly the illnesses and when he said something about the flu the camera moved to the dr mm -hmm. headwood and she was clutching those those large men's shoes, which she'd been carrying around the whole episode. And he had mentioned earlier how she was getting on without the other Dr. Headwood. It was just sort of like, well, he's missing and you can never tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what, what happened really? <laughs> yeah, well, as far as we know, I mean, he might have even told her it was influenza, even though she's kind of the medical expert on on train but uh yeah that explains that did you guys get any kind of feeling during the ceremony and maybe this is just me because i'm kind of keyed up this way but that mr wilford with his 
the, the design of the wedding ceremony and the ice and the steel and the light, et cetera, et cetera. And they kept mentioning the everlasting engine and, and all that. Do you think he's installing like a new religion aboard the train that puts him and the engine itself at the head of it? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, go back to season one. They had these like special recitals. Everything was like super cultish. And I think those all came from like whatever manifesto he created when they were all prepping it and signing their contracts to agree to to build this train on these kinds of conditions. And so, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's missing from Snowpiercer. Although he, you know, with the ball the ball thing that happened and uh <laughs> ball grabbing thing that happened. Not a great and, part of the religion, no. Yeah, yeah, not not <laughs> but like it it seems he's a tad like Sean Bean's really good at playing, you know, Mr. Wilford, but he also has like he like a subtle desperate thing to him right now cuz he knows like at any moment he knows like the train is, you know, the other train could be coming back and like that's obviously something they're gonna have to deal with but I, I could sense like there is that uh he's not showing it that much but I feel like he is desperate to like he wants to get that past him that's why he's doing the EMP because I think he just wants to relish in like the train that he had built to just party and like have a good time so I feel like this is bothersome to him and so he just wants to really relive whatever the good old days were gonna be on the train <laughs> well nothing creates loyalty like religion right yeah, yeah, cult-like. <laughs> yeah, and if he's the guy, if he's the David Koresh of this whole thing, <laughs> then yeah, he would be the one basking in the offerings or whatever rules you make up for this religion. This new kind of religious bent to the show had me looking at both leaders with Mr. Wilford creating this this thing honoring the train, but then Andre and his visions, which may or may not, like we mentioned last week, have something to do with running into a, a, a hallucinogen in, in Asha's air supply. But the way that he seems to be grasping onto these visions as, you know, potential inspiration for leadership decisions, that's the kind of stuff religious leaders do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just FYI, I Googled it and they're Mr. and Mrs. Headwood. 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 I keep thinking Hedwig from Harry Potter. I, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, my brain got <laughs> twisted there too. Yeah. <laughs> so I tried to identify that tree last week. I was on the right continent. I was on the wrong yes. coast. <laughs> yeah, but the one you showed us was like really, it was, it was pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. I looked up Dragon's Blood. And it's a real deal. It's it's uh, it's it only grows in one place. It is only grows in Yemen. Okay. Yemen, in fact, if you were to ever visit, apparently has quite a bit of unique um, flora, like because it's been separated from, or sorry, not Yemen, but the island of. I'm not going to say it right, but it's so Socatra. So that's off of Yemen. That's been separated from Africa for so long that 37% of its plant species are unique only to that island. And this is one of them. That's super cool. Yeah, I looked up pictures of it and they're magnificent looking. Like, did you see the pictures of it where like where they cut it and it looks like blood? Um, like dripping oh, down, yeah. like from I'm go- I'm, it. If you, Googling, yeah, Google yeah. it right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I didn't even know this. Was, I love that they're bringing this in. Like, you were just talking about how you like 
you know, the fact that like this is based in like kind of some truths or the sciencey stuff. And this is like one that's actually real. So it's actually kind of cool. Yeah. If you were in this position, say you were not Andre, but you were on his train, would you be with Till like, hey, we don't believe in visions. <laughs> We're not basing decisions on visions. Uh, or or would you be like, well, Andre's got us this far. So, you know, let's let's hear him out. Well, it makes sense coming from her because she just went through like almost, you know, going into the religious thing with what happened in season two. And then realizing like that was just being someone took advantage of her when she was in her vulnerable spot. Good so reminder. Maybe she's, yeah. So maybe she just doesn't want like, I don't need to hear this again <laughs> or like, let's base things, you know, in truth and stuff. But I do like that it was Till that he told. It, it was also kind of like a nice character moment between both of them of like, they're really just buddies. And like, I like that relationship of how far they've come throughout the seasons. But I think I would have maybe leaned towards what she did. But also I would have been kind of curious because I mean, it is Snowpiercer and there is like obviously everything they've seen too with like the medical stuff with like Josie. Like I can't believe she didn't want to know anything about it or at least like kind of, I guess, dive a little bit deeper into that. Like I, it was where she just dismissed it completely. If I was Leighton and I'm thinking about like having this vision, like I can't stop thinking about it. I have ADHD, like in real life, not Leighton has ADHD, but <laughs> I have ADHD and I know that I would totally be like diving in to like this as a special interest, right? Like I just need to know, like, why did I see this tree? Like this did come up and now it's a part of me. It's a very traumatizing experience of like knowing that you almost died. You know, he almost like froze to death and then he's described how he like went through that process and so I can see like wanting to like dive deep into it because of it I do like that he's like connecting his thoughts his his hypothesis with the science factual stuff that's coming out of their conversations with Ben of them all in the engine as they're talking about this like warm specific warm ish kind of area or whatever so I think that as long as he does keep tying that and communicating that he is tying like a sciencey part of of it then maybe I can stand. I mean it's not like it's like we're gonna go there because I had a vision I heard like that's the area that we just said that is our potential spot and it also happens to be this piece that I saw in my vision that's located there so to me I'm like oh it's like it's like part of the plan anyway it's part of the strategy <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> I was a little bit more forgiving maybe on that front but I I do like that Till's like base it in science base it on facts base it on facts but I don't right, right. necessarily feel like he avoided facts when he was explaining stuff yeah I guess since it aligns the idea of visiting this place if, if it was not where Ben said we need to go anyway then it would feel harder <laughs> to to yeah. accept you know like is this some stress dream thing I don't know this is a lot to base all of our lives on because we're running out of supplies, et cetera. We're going to have to eat Miss Audrey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess she would be the one to go, right? <laughs> or Martin. Yeah, Martin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, that guy. But it, but that scene also, because I was thinking of you, Paul, when I saw it, because I know you're like, please don't go into the, you know, into the woo-woo kind of thing. <laughs> right. um, and I did feel like it... it I mean, it is stretching it a little bit, like, and I just want to know, like, how why he's having these visions, mm -hmm. because that is still a little bit, like, I don't know if we can really mm -hmm. 
say there's anything science-based in that. Like, so I wonder if it's because it's like more of like the land and stuff or something from that lab. But like, I don't know. I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm going with the suspension of disbelief, you know, just for now. But like, I hope that ties into something that's a little bit not so mystical. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I won't be saddened by it, I, but I'm, it's going to depend how it how it goes. Because, you know, I feel like I'm not completely sold on it yet of like him just getting this vision and it being, oh, where it happens to be where they need to go. And I'm like, right. how, is yeah. hap- how, how is this happening? Like, I don't know. It's a little bit I agree like, with out you, there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with I agree with you. I think that something that I did struggle when they were presenting this story is that in the previous episode, the way that they filmed it really told me it's a direct correlation with like him breathing in that air and starting to like warm up his body or whatever. Like to me, it felt like that could be it, which is a science factor I can get on board with, with like, okay, well, whatever like Asha has going on. Oh, we'll get to her. He's now getting a part of it. Right. And she's, she's a Middle Eastern like person. So, um, and, uh, and that book and stuff that he pulled out is all in Arabic. So I wonder if there's like going to be something like going on with, with, with that kind of dynamic that we'll see. But yeah. So I think that when I was listening to this episode, he was describing it as a like, isn't it a part of the process when you're like dying of hypothermia, uh, mm-hmm. of hypothermia and, you know, where you have like hallucinations and stuff and that's where we need to go. I think that part kind of was off putting to me for the same exact reason that you're saying, because yeah. I'm like, well, they didn't film it in a way that made me think is related to that. The way that I interpreted last week was that it had to be some kind of biological reaction to some to like a physical thing yeah. um, in order to kind of stay honest to to um yeah to to the show that this isn't a like magical fantastical kind of sci-fi thing right this is like as much sciencey that we could get and trying to stay like honest like on that track so i am curious to see how we get to learn who asha is and why she doesn't like dirt yeah (laughs) (laughs) well on my question sheet here i wanted to know do you guys believe asha's story or do you think there might be some holes in there that are important like i was thinking about it from her perspective well she did mention that her i think it was like her nephew or was it her brother um that had the thyroid cancer nephew Um, nephew so nephew had just died like i think she said a few years or a few months or something i can't really remember four or five years Yeah, four or five years. So we're going to assume that she's been alone for that long, right? And um, and then these are the first people that you, like, maybe, or maybe not the first people, but... um, uh, we're just going to assume that and they and they kind of took you you know because i guess you were going to die but like you know you don't know who they are and in this world like i wouldn't be i wouldn't tell them everything i know because you would still kind of want to be deciphering like who are these people are they the good are they the good people do they want to use me do they especially with she does have something going on with the plants that she has like aversion to so i don't think she would also want to tell them whatever's going on with that right away because then they're going to be like oh what if they want to put her away or something <laughs> or study her so it, it, and it didn't sound that interesting so i was like you've been alone for that long in this world like on land and like that's it <laughs> sort of thing 
Yeah. And she does like refer to Wilford as like the great engineer. Right. So I Mm -hmm. think that she has certain expectation of him as like a genius ally kind of thing without knowing who he is or anything about what's going on. So I do feel like it is possible that she could be reserved knowing that he's not on this train something now there are two trains and she's like what like with whatever kind of world news she knew about Snowpiercer and Wilford is kind of being rocked in this scene so I can understand why she wouldn't be fully trusting so she does have I'm I'm sure that she'll withhold things like as she needs just for basic survival for a moment I entertained the idea that she might be actually one of the marauders that she mentioned but then I thought, well, uh, she has kept some amount of this reactor functioning long past its sell-by date. (laughs) And and so her saying that she's a nuclear technician, okay, that makes sense. Turns out we were right. It was Korea where they were at. But the rest of her story and the dirt, I was thinking with the dirt, and this may be too simplistic, but... The room itself, you know, being where she didn't, you know, she didn't have to wear a jacket in there and she didn't have to wear a face mask. And the room was pretty freaking nice. It, it was, it was, uh, you know, a, a little masculine with all the wood. <laughs> but other than that, it, it's a pretty nice room. And it seemed kind of overwhelming, you know, like when they show in, in movies yeah. people that, that are rescued from a bad situation, but then they end up sleeping under the bed or whatever because they don't feel safe out in the yeah. open. Kind of had that same kind of, thing you know where like the little succulent garden that Josie had left in there for her was just like are you fucking kidding me I just (laughs) I was just living in a nuclear reactor now I have a succulent garden (laughs) yeah that's a really good point you know and there were some parts that I felt like little details that I liked I think she like apologized for like how she said something or what she said and she's like I'm sorry it's been a long time since I've since I spoke and Mm. I'm like oh my god like I I understand that you know there's a time that I was living here in California my husband and daughter were still in Texas and I didn't really like know anybody know anything and it took me a long time to realize that I'd just been like sitting and working and existing and I would talk to people but on text and talk to people through IM or through email and then I remember just like pausing and making myself say hi to myself like in the room just so I can be like yeah okay I'm not crazy I haven't actually spoken an a word in a really long time and I didn't know how long I hadn't spoken so that piece that they insert in there I was like I can buy into her being like authentic with like her history like the story that she told but maybe just not completely transparent and I I can totally see that but I think that what got me with the dirt part why I kind of leaned on a there's something deeper about like this dirt plant situation is I think it's the music that they picked or some kind of like sound that they picked um, when she was like Mm. holding it up to her nose they it turned they, dark yeah. they turned yeah they turned like a sound and it wasn't just like a dark sound like for like a negative tone it kind of was like an intentional sound like if something was happening like i don't know you're gonna have to go back and and tr- maybe try to watch like this piece but i and maybe I'll, I'll go check too but it felt like almost like some kind of chemical reaction kind of sound that was inserted i didn't take it as like mm. a music tone dark so i'm like wait a second is this like a thing like there's like what happened did something like happen to her face i didn't rewind it i 
I should have, but um, <laughs> I just in that moment was to me, it didn't, the experience wasn't like I'm overwhelmed by all of this change in my environment. It, it felt like something very specific that was mm-hmm. happening with like the dirt. I don't know. Go back and look at it. I don't, maybe it was just me. And, but I would love to like hear feedback. Maybe we can like pick up on this in the next episode <laughs> just to yeah. catch up and see if I misinterpreted something. And who fucking knows? Maybe we'll find out exactly next episode. Yeah. Cause I didn't get the environment thing as much. I got more of like, she's, it does seem like she's hiding something. And then she wanted to also like see her environment also to see if like she needs to get away sort of, you know, like when you're kind of like, I'm in this new place, I don't know what to do. Like, let me just see my exits or something. I don't know. Um, Cause like there was like a moment when she goes in and she like grabs the pole or something. And like, mm. I was thought that was weird. Cause I was like, why would you grab that? Like, but she like wanted to doing something with that, investigating it. And then she went to the plant, but yeah, I think there's definitely something weird with that. Cause it definitely made a reaction when she put it close to her mouth. So I hope they continue down that road because that's exciting. I wonder, you know, we'll cover Ruth next, but given that the next episode looks like it's going to be a fighting episode, we might not get to explore Asha and her dirt phobia uh, (laughs) very quickly. But yeah, that's the most mysterious part of the the show right now, uh, with the exception of where's Melanie? Um, (laughs) We're supposed to not think about her so that if she does reappear, we'll be like, holy shit, it's her. Yeah. Do you think they, because they keep mentioning that, and I thought it was sort of like a hard, like, I secretly am just hoping that she, um, you know, is still alive because I don't want that to be the way Jennifer Connelly goes out. I, and I want Melanie to come back. But I thought, like, in terms of the characters, they would think that she's dead because she left him a note basically saying, like, this is it. Yeah. Um, but they seem to, they keep mentioning this. And, you know, like we've mentioned before, nothing like is said on TV without it having a reason to be. So, like, Alex has mentioned it like a million times. It's one of those things like when they keep saying the name of a character just because to like really hone it in or make sure they like say the same thing over and over to make sure like, you guys, did you get that? And so they did that in the first episode and then they did this in this one where she's like, yeah, but you know, maybe we can find Melanie or, you know, but Melanie's out there. And I'm like, okay, are we, is this confirmation that Melanie is out there or is it just the characters like hoping that she is? Because I'm getting, if it, if she's not coming back, I'm going to be annoyed because they keep mentioning it. Um, and I just really hope she comes back. <laughs> I personally think there's going to be like a heroic return somehow, you know, where she saves the day in, in some, some way. But they got to build up to that, right? Where everyone's convinced that she's dead there's just sort of like this weird positive hope that she's not but in their in their guts they really do think that she's gone maybe she's going to be in the tree spot like you know in with the dragon's blood (laughs) maybe maybe where was the weather station where they left her do you recall i thought that was in north america somewhere yeah, I mean, I think it would probably be a long way. Like, I need to look at the map. I'm always a little bit, like, confused. Um, yeah, the yeah. opening. I think the opening now has a lot to pay attention to with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's the train routes, there's the tree, there's all sorts of graphics, and they go by super quick now. It might have even been the same length as before, but now it seems faster. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's hit Ruth real quick. She has a lot to do in this episode. Personally, if I was Ruth and the jig was up during that EMP scene, I don't know that I would have like sat around and monologued. I think I would have like led Kevin off so that it was like 
less obvious what was going on back here. Ke- Kevin's kind of a boob. <laughs> yeah. I did get that kind of like frustration too, you know. And I was like, wow, Kevin's really not going to buy into this because he was smart enough to know like it's worth going to go check out. And then Javi like clearly like lied or something. But yeah, and then like just to see her like, I'm here, I give up, I'm starving, I'm cold. And like, I'm like, no, he's not going to buy that. Like, it's still going to be enough. But no, it ended up. So I don't know. Is it Kevin the boob? Is it the writers? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the boob? <laughs> <laughs> Boobs and balls this episode. Yeah. Well, I thought by doing it the way she did it, she sold out Javi too easy. If he goes away and then comes back mysteriously, and then all of a sudden the EMP's pushed out the back of the train and explodes, then... How is Javi not like implicated in that? Yeah. Bad yeah. news. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a really good point. I honestly didn't even think that far into it, but it like is so obvious now that you've said it. So it's like really like right. I've got to get back to the dog. I, and he didn't even like listen to her or like, you know, give her anything to go off of and now he's gonna go get fucked over again. Um and, and so <laughs> yeah, yeah th- that was not cool on Ruth's part. But I, I feel like she had a plan though. I mean they had this plan. I feel like she was still thinking it was gonna work out, right? Because to me it didn't seem like surrender. It would seem like part of the plan. Or maybe I misread it. What the thing with that that plan was at, it was going to be a temporary thing at best. Mm-hmm. Strong boys intervention of just pushing it out the back of the train. That wasn't part of the original deal. Like they just wanted to disable it, you know. So when she left the room, the plan was just, okay, you guys just disable this thing. But eventually they would have gotten it working again with that original plan. So it was just sort of like a delaying tactic i guess when you're when you got nothing better delaying's better than nothing yeah but i just loved ruth in this though like yeah, i love yeah. that she was um like she was gonna have her arm cut off for the cause and and then it's crazy because if you think about it it's full circle from her doing that to you know i forgot who was she the little girl's mom right like in the first yeah, season naomi's mom yeah, yeah yeah so that was like ooh, she was gonna get a sort of i guess she thought like you know what well i gotta do it you know and it's been done like she did it to someone else oh it was even worse when wilford tries to get into her head and say that it was never meant to be used but you used it 13 times yeah oof. Yeah, I did love Ruth in this episode, you know, like from the I wrote down her the one of the first lines, right? Like where her husband, you know, your smile keeps me warm. So be sure to wear it till I'm home. And honestly, every single time Ruth pops up on the screen, I just like smile like so big. I'm like, she's clearly sparked joy for me. So Marie Condoing keeping her in my um, my my team. And yeah, she was she was just really badass. And honestly, like, I feel like she serves as like a real leader in comparison to like Leighton. I Layton, think we yeah. have this conversation every few episodes about Layton or Ruth, um, Layton or Melanie, like it's like it's like we all feel like Layton, like <laughs> isn't like there. We keep finding somebody else that like maybe this person's better. Actually, <laughs> you know, I feel but- I feel like he would be a good like vice president. You know, like like maybe the head of the train, like you know, actually dealing with the train, but like not the actual leader. Leader, 
Like he's more of a doer, not like the political type. <laughs> yeah. And I love um, just her scene with Pike, you know, on that when she's like, you're in charge now. You know, you're now the new Robin Hood. <laughs> Little John, you've been promoted. And Aww. she went to go take care of business. Like, I just love that. I love their dynamic between Ruth and Pike. And so I, I liked how it came off. And now I'm like a little bit unhappy because Paul, you like, pointed out like such an obvious kind of like illogical kind of move on her part but i still fucking love ruth the most so yeah and then she was saved by the train though right she yes. didn't get her arm yeah so um i love that all they... bets are off at this point in terms of what yeah. happens next right yeah oh. i really love how she <laughs> like she made the terms of like what her punishment's going to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's like that's so rude though i'll just go ahead like you can go ahead and take my arm and it was like she knew she was gonna really legitimately lose her arm i was honestly ready for wilford to be like actually i'm gonna put like the freeze mask on you and that's how you're gonna go i really Mm. thought that that's how we were gonna go and i'm like oh my god this motherfucker really did just give in to ruth (laughs) that's true that's a good power play yeah yeah Yeah, that's how much like she's just like do it because usually wilford does is not the type that does what you ask of him and so for him to actually do that i wonder that's sort of like a sign of respect like he may not like where Ruth has chosen her loyalty, but maybe he still respects her for it because that's why he didn't push back on her asking for that punishment because it's still going to be severe, but he could have done way worse, obviously, since we like just saw the ball grabbing earlier in this episode. <laughs> that's tough to say because it seems like a very all or nothing, like you respect him or 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 nothing, you know, you're nothing to me. That's so true. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very tough to to say. And the, the discussion was like, it was kind of like a teenager, right? Well, it's like your your ground is like, well, I wanted to be, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know oh I am, God, but what so. am I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so. <laughs> right. I, now that I know that there's like some kind of like flu thing that you mentioned, now that makes me think about her coughing. Um, mm. You know, because she was coughing. So maybe if she does have whatever this like strain is, they have their own COVID on the train. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, she was right there face to face with Wilford. So cross your fingers for some biological warfare. Speaking of crossing fingers, next <laughs> week, man, train invasion, apparently. How, how does Leighton and his tiny crew stand a chance they seem to rally because I think if it had been, if it had played out the way Wilfred wanted, where he was going to catch them off guard, I think that would have been bad. But I think knowing that they sort of had maybe a head start on him and they, and then they, you know, end up coming like a guns ablaze and maybe he, he laid in things like, oh, okay, we hi- kind of have a one up on him. But I mean, they're only what, like seven people. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but maybe they also think because Ruth and Pike are on their side that they have garnered enough like maybe resistance that like whoever's part of their thing or if they can rally anybody else on that train that they can also have sort of that advantage of having the inside people on the train i think that's the only way they can probably do something because and then they also have josie i mean they have ice you know super josie so i feel so i feel like that can also like she could get on the train and like go to another part like in her suit and you know withstand and kind of help in that regard so i do i do think they have a chance but i i 
know, um, Inez, you were talking about how like the first episode didn't feel, you know, like it was just sort of like there. And I feel like this one did feel more like this is how you start the season with like that cliffhanger of like, okay, we're going to rally. So I don't know, but it was exciting to at least have that. Like I, I, I felt the same way that you mentioned at the beginning where like, I really just want to finish this episode with you guys so I can go and watch the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like Ruth and Pike have created a really large network gathering. of rats. Right. Like yeah, they got their <laughs> network of rats, which is impressive. So if you they did that to rats, um, I'm sure that they are able to, especially with how much she's been helping the people um on the train during her time in hiding. I feel like like they've got the numbers of people that are willing to rally. Like they probably just need like this big pick me up of seeing the Ally train. And I and it sounds like Pike and Ruth have been intentionally strategizing a way to be ready to overtake the train when Layton and team came back. So I am going to guess that it might be an easy takeover. <laughs> hmm. He's living in, in squalor for so long, just waiting for the spark to set them free. And, and all of a sudden the train will flip. She was taking care, she was giving them medicines and, you know, they were taking care of them on like a human level and trying to like keep their spirits and hope up through this very specific underground Robin Hood um, infrastructure, not from a Wilford um, kind of way. I think Wilford's thing is just like maybe they get a little bit extra food um, because of the wedding. And that's just this one time for like people yeah. that like nobody gives a shit about uh, nobody else on the train gives a shit about these two just wilford and, and the boots or whatever they're called jack boots for their information and that's it and then everybody else or the majority of everybody else they know who took care of them ruth took care of them ruth and pike are the ones that made things happen on helping them stay alive helping their existence be a little bit better and i think that it's an easy decision that if it's like okay well if we're gonna have to fight anyway i'd rather fight for ruth and the way that ruth and pike have given me um that hope and even if it's in the name of layton that's my yeah. assumption and also it really plays in well with this episode because it was all about loyalty and then it's like well we're really and we thought this episode was only about you know like who, who are you loyal to or kind of like uh Wilfred is having that forced loyalty trying to fake it you know like oh mm -hmm. I love you guys but not really and then I love that like the next episode is like okay who are you really loyal to? Like, we're going to find out which side people are going to choose. So I really love that, like, transition with the loyalty episode in this one. And then, like, us really getting to find out what, how it really is on, you know, the, the train and who they're going to pick sides for. So really good, like, transition from the writers. Well, you guys got me excited to find out how it's going to go down. Uh, not that I wasn't. I mean, the idea of the uh, the flyby scene where the train, the the quicker train goes zipping by. I mean, where else are you going to find like two trains tracks side by side like that just to, to allow that to happen? But it's still kind of cool if you're going to have that uh, big machine racing another big machine kind of <laughs> kind of image like that. It, but I'm worried. Or Asha Ooh. is going to be the wild card here, I think maybe she we don't know what her capabilities are but i i'm worried that that mr wilford he calls battle stations like he even though the emp was plan a it sounds like he's got plan b you know all, all set up so i'm worried what that's gonna look like yeah he was very confident he was smiling he was excited about it like it was yes. a game yeah, yeah. 
So I wonder, I mean, I'm curious to know what other things he's been up to and planning for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it just normal Wilford excited just to um, have confrontation or is it actually because he's excited to show us some toys that he's been working on? <laughs> like, I never know with him. So that's what makes it more exciting. Yeah. Maybe he's got more icy people uh <laughs> <laughs> but oh you know what also that could cripple laden is using um Z uh, zara as like you know sort of like that um you know um hey you do if you don't surrender we're gonna kill your baby you know that kind oh, of, thing. of course yeah that's yeah good call cat they can sharpen their their spears and and, and all that stuff but when it comes down to it the two guys in charge have each other's um love interests yeah and audrey yeah laden can use audrey against him so yeah you might there might not be any fighting at all at least not right away until someone crosses over then like oh by the way you're captured you know <laughs> speaking of audrey was anybody else disappointed that like one day later she's complaining about a broken nose and her face still looks perfect yeah me oh yeah, yeah i thought so i was like what <laughs> and i was like that was such a satisfying hit by till and you're just going to have till's work like not present <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean audrey's disappointed me this season so i i don't want to make i don't want to i'll give it a you know and maybe see how it plays out but i really hope they redeem her character because i just you know we talked about it in the last episode and i'm like she was a little bit annoying in this one so i'm like Ugh, i don't know i want the old audrey back right me too well guys thanks a lot for chatting with me this week uh, we'll be back for the next episode to see how this fight goes down. If there is a fight, I bet there is some slapping around. Who knows? Grabbing balls, whatever they do um, on this train. Maybe it's just a just a series of kicking guys in the balls and, and see who wins. Uh, it was a real ball grabber. <laughs> <laughs> Um, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or what's the other one, Spotify or Amazon or wherever you listen to podcasts or leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, Kat, if people want to find you, where would they look? Yes, they, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Things Cat Loves. Things Cat Loves. And what about Inez? I am on Twitter at Neasy Thinks. Neasy things. It took me um, like six months of, of seeing Neasy things to recognize. Wait a second. Her name's Inez. N E Z. Ah. Oh my God. I didn't, even, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of that. So now it's like my mind is like, whoa, blown. <laughs> so my husband came up with it's my rapper name, Neasy. <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.